everybody. Welcome in again to another episode of the Wood Recommend Podcast, a culture podcast by me, Nick Ratliff, your host. Uh, thanks again for everybody for hosting or for listening rather to uh, all of our previous episodes, but especially our last episode. And uh, thank you, uh, like I said, thanks again to everybody for listening and following the podcast. Um, I think I've said this a lot, but it's been really, really fun kind of just getting the whole process of this show together um, from working with the people at the makerspace here at the Johnson County Public Library where I record. They're all phenomenal people and really helpful. Um, And then to all my guests, um, some who I've known previously, some who I haven't known, it's just been really, really fun learning how to edit sound and everything. Um, it's just been a blast. And so uh, anybody who listens to this, I, I really appreciate it and uh, hope to just keep building it and building it um, and bring you great content um, as much as I can. Um, today is going to be a bit of a different episode. We're going to start having some bonus episodes for you. I know it's a pretty long time in between episodes and that's my fault. Um, I've gone back to school um, back to take some classes at JCCC. And so that takes up a lot of my time, um, these days. And so it's been become a bit harder to, um, make it more timely to get, uh, the episodes out to you. Um, and I apologize for that, but I am going to start recording some, uh, bonus episodes in between. And so hopefully you'll have more content to listen to. Um, in between the regular main music movie book episodes uh, that the podcast has been so far. This, um, these types of episodes, though, are going to be sports-related because that is a huge part of my life. I'm a huge sports fan. Um, I know, you know, several of my friends are, are sports fans, um, and I want to bring those people in hopefully bring some people in who I don't know who are in the sports world um, and just have fun conversations about sports. I love, like a lot of people do, I love making like lists of favorite things or best things in sports and debating things like that. Um, I don't want this to become like sports talk radio. Definitely don't want that to happen. But um, we're going to bring you some sort of outside the box sports content. And this is the first episode today. And I wouldn't want to have anybody else on for this first uh, sportsy. I think we're going to call it sportsy stuff. This is the series. Um, I wouldn't want to have anybody else on than one of my favorite sports fan friends, Micah Shuley. Hey, Nick. How's it going? Good, man. Uh, We've been friends for a very long time. I've shouted you out in past episodes because I used to have a website. Long story. They jacked up the price on me. We don't have the website anymore. Oh, really? Sorry. But Micah is a good web designer and kind of helped me design that. It was not, ended up not, uh, you know, it was out of our control, but I appreciate you helping me with that. Um, But Micah and I love talking sports, don't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, And have known each other. As long as we can remember. Yeah, like before kindergarten. Yeah. Um, Like me, you, and Josh, who was my first guest. Yep. We, you know, we're, yeah, we're day Josh, one, we're day up. ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Mike and I love watching sports together, talking about sports all the time. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad to have you on. And today we're going to be talking about 
we're going to be doing the list thing that I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be talking about our top three favorite or three, at least off the top of our head, three favorite sports documentaries. Yep. We're both very passionate about Maybe and have a deep love for sports documentaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love nothing more than a good sports documentary, something that will make me feel, inspire me, something that will... The stories about sports, right? Put me, put me in awe. Mm-hmm. And I think my picks at least oh, yeah. have all of that, those things. Um, what, um, how, how do you feel about sports docs? Like, well, I, I mean, my favorite part of sports is the natural drama and the storylines, of course, and a good documentary that exemplifies them and really makes you puts yourself in the place and the time of what's going on and kind of gets you in tune with the emotions because that for me is the greatest joy of sports is the human drama and the non-manufactured I guess you could say non-prescripted drama of sports and Mm -hmm. when you look back on it after it's happened you can really take in the full spectrum of what that moment meant at the time and what it still means to this day yeah I mean hindsight obviously is a big part True. of it yes um but it definitely like helps to sort of crystallize like moments mm-hmm. in time like you know like all types of documentaries but sports documentaries especially like really like you know for the people who aren't like sports fans it's like like your girlfriend megan your wonderful girlfriend megan is yes. like she she's like you know pays attention a little bit because you know mm-hmm. she's your girlfriend yeah um, <laughs> she comes from sports so yeah she's a little push in the right direction I guess you could yeah say. but you've said that she loves sports documentaries oh, yeah. probably more than watching sports right oh um, yeah I because because it like it shows the for people who don't like sports it's like you can point to sports docs and be like. This is why I like it. It's the drama. It's the pageantry of everything. It's mm-hmm. the there are storylines. It is like the human drama. Yeah, of everything. it's like yeah. the human element of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and just how certain things at certain times can even transcend sports. Mm-hmm. They can they can have an impact that is felt in ways that perhaps maybe at the time weren't seen, but looking back on is blatantly obvious. They, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, And I feel like, um, I feel like at least two of my docs kind of have the same, the same theme. Mm -hmm. Um, There are definitely, there are more prevalent themes, I think, throughout sports than not. Mm -hmm. Sports documentaries, I mean, than not, um, like rising out of tough situations like overcoming adversity yeah overcoming adversity but especially like poverty you know a lot of i would say a good portion of athletes come from not the best socioeconomic yes background. Yeah. yeah and mm-hmm. so they have to rise out, up right? yeah they yeah. they use their talents to rise up out of that and i um, i would say two of my picks well all three of them really Talent and determination. Yeah, yeah, course. which yeah. is super inspiring. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, um, I Every like we sports. love stories like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
feel like that's a good yeah. intro. You uh-huh. want to you want to get into it? Yeah. You you want you your call, man. You're the guest. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll start off with maybe one that's not as. I mean, it still has some heavy hitting themes, but it's more. I guess you could say fun and enjoyable. Bad Boys, the Bad Boys. Mm-hmm. It's a thirty for thirty documentary. Mm-hmm. It's about the Detroit Pistons. Their rise, late 80s, late 80s, you know, the golden age of basketball. Mm -hmm. I guess you could say you got Bird, Magic, Young MJ, Young MJ, um, and of course, the bad boys, the Detroit Mm -hmm. Pistons, most hated team, maybe in recent memory. And one of the most hated teams ever, I would say. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I mean, the way they played, yeah, and just to start off, I, I, I like how it kind of exemplifies something we don't really see in sports too much anymore. Like, you'll have players that are kind of antagonists, you could say, but it's truly rare to see a full team that is hated and an antagonist and just kind of accepts the role Mm -hmm. with the, uh, I don't know, I guess you could say more media that is centered around everything now, social media. It's just the scrutiny was much less than I feel like a part of the day-to-day life which affects that but yeah think about some of the stuff that the bad boys pulled if it happened today with the Billy with, a beer with Twitter oh my god dude people yeah. would go insane on Twitter uh-huh well and to just an overview of the documentary mm-hmm. a little bit more for people who haven't seen it mm-hmm. definitely go see it don't take my explanation to heart but it's uh Hang on, just a second. Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking about some great uh, ESPN documentaries. Their Thirty for Thirty series, mm-hmm. which are some of the best sports yeah. docs ever made, and, yeah. and there's tons of them. Um, if you get ESPN Plus, one ninety nine a month. It's now one one ninety nine uh, or no four ninety nine. Yeah, four ninety nine a month. Five yeah. bucks a month. You can watch all of them. Yep, and even after they air the new ones, do you can it. Watch it's them right away. yeah, it's great. It's and even if you want it for a couple months. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could cancel it any time yeah. or whatever. But, but anyways, yeah. <coughs> oh, excuse me. What I was saying is, uh, yeah, the overview of the, this uh, documentary is uh, it starts mid eighties, mm-hmm. uh, centering around a uh, floundering franchise, Detroit Pistons. They uh, have Isaiah Thomas, who maybe top uh, five point guards in that era for sure. Yeah. Maybe. Top ten all time, I would say something, he's, something like he's that. He's up there, yeah. He's, he's a hall of famer, yeah. Hall of famer. Uh, you know, he was a ball for or pass first, shoot second type of point guard, but mm-hmm. he was also the guy who wanted to have the ball the last play of the game. You know. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, it centers around this team and uh, the city as well um, of Detroit. You know, it got hit worse by the automotive industry leaving and. Financial setbacks and the urban core of the city turned way downhill and going from one of the best cities in the country to not that. Um, and yeah, so it fall, it starts out like with that and it goes into how they, not to get into the nitty gritty, acquiring basically the talent for a team that was maybe better, the, the sum of its parts was or the some of his parts is greater than each necessary single part, I guess. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, so yeah, uh, in that area you have the Lakers and you have the Celtics. Mm-hmm. 
the two coasts, and that was it. You know, that that was the two best teams. It was like just a matter of which one was going to win mm-hmm. more than the other teams in the league. So yeah, it's the bird magic era. So yeah, uh, in that era, basketball is way different than it is now. There's, I mean, there was no fines like you see now. There was. You can play defense in a much more physical manner, you can mm-hmm. say. And these guys basically took that ball and ran with it. And they might have not been the most talented team. Uh, they have a center, Bill Lambeer, big guy from the Chicago suburbs. Yeah. Very entitled. Never had to worry about money. Kind of the polar opposite of what we were saying earlier. He yeah. was, I mean, he didn't have to play basketball. He was fine. Mm-hmm. But he loved it. He was six foot nine, I think. Six mm-hmm. foot, and... He might not be the best, most athletic, but he'd beat you mentally. He'd get your head out of the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess that kind of mentality kind of embodied the entire team. You had a bunch of, let's say, middle-of-the-road talent to upper talent that mm-hmm. got brought up because of their physical style of play, the way that they would discombobulate the other team and have them more focused on how pissed off they are at the bad boys and actually executing their game of basketball. That being said, you know, they had their Lakers to get through, they had their Celtics to get through, and in the East, the Celtics were the top dog, right? Mm -hmm. And that's who the documentary, without spoiling anything, kind of will go into. Um, That being said, I think that If you like Michael Jordan and you want to, I mean, who doesn't like Michael Jordan, yeah. right? You might not be the best person off the field, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, he's without a doubt a kid growing up in the 90s. He was, you know. He was a superhero. Yeah, he was, yeah, he yeah. was a superhero. He was bigger than life, you know. Yeah. Michael Jordan was, you know. Um, he, flew through, he flew through the air. Yeah. Like Superman. Yeah. yeah. That's what I always I, say. Yeah. I mean, the Jumpman logo. Yeah. I mean. You see baseball players with that logo, yeah, Amelita on their chest protector. But yeah. uh, the the thing that it exemplifies the most is the passing of the flag to Jordan in that era. But you know, it wasn't just Larry Bird handing it to Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson. The bad boys were still there, and for my money, they were the crucible that forged the tough, the almost sociopathic play of Michael Jordan. Absolutely, because yeah. they beat. Later in the season, I think it's the hmm, it's at the second round of the playoffs of, of eighty nine. Yeah, no, it's eighty eight. It was eighty eight. It was eight, the second round of eighty eight, and they basically came up with this thing called the Jordan rules, mm-hmm. and uh, they would add, you know people would ask them about it in the media, and they just kind of laugh it off. Oh, Jordan rules! I don't know anything about that, mm-hmm. but. Basically, what they would do is they would triangle two. Yeah. Basically, they would put three people on Jordan and just leave everybody else to do their thing. Yeah. And if he went into the paint, no layups. They would maul him in the paint, mm-hmm. and they they trounce him. They the bill the Bulls could not hang with it. And then Michael Jordan steps up. He gets. This is actually the '89 season. Yeah, because they won in '89 yep, and '90. Yep. And then they of course go on. To win, but the um, there's a bunch of drama surrounding them, the Celtics, um, 
bunch of bad blood between Isaiah Thomas and MJ. Yeah, well, and Larry Bird. Yeah. Because uh, there's the famous thing saying, you know, if Larry Bird was black, he would just be another ball player. Yeah. And Isaiah Thomas said that in a post-game interview after the loss. And Isaiah Thomas had a big mouth. He did have a big <laughs> mouth. And when you watch the documentary, when you see him, because he is actually interviewed through this whole thing, uh, uh-huh. same with Billy and Beard, a bunch of the players. Uh, most of them, yeah. And um, Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman, of course. He <laughs> yeah. plays a very big part. Oh, and... <laughs> Let's not forget about the best part of the documentary is narrated by none other than Kid Rock. Yeah. <laughs> Detroit native. Yeah. yeah, Detroit native, which I didn't realize until my second viewing. But, yeah. you know, let's get past that part. It's a great <laughs> documentary anyways. Um, yeah, so not only does it go into Jordan, but it also goes into just how Dennis Rodman's story, if a lot of people didn't know, he was the polar opposite of Bill Ambeer, for example. Very was, tough upbringing, yeah. He was out of basketball, out of college, was working as a janitor at an airport. Yeah. Or, sorry, custodian at an airport. Mm-hmm. And um, they basically took a flyer on him, and then he was the best defensive player, best rebounder that the league had ever seen. And mm-hmm. he eventually develops his offensive capabilities and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it makes you appreciate who he was before, I guess you could say, the fame got to him, or the money, or... Before he got a lot more interesting. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> and and the documentary touches that um, the head coach of the Pistons at the time... Chuck Daly. Chuck Daly. May he rest in peace. Yes. He was basically his father. Yeah. He was the father figure that he never had. And once he was out of the picture... He signs with the Bulls. We all know what happens then. Um, and uh, there's actually a documentary about him that came out not too long ago. Isn't Rodman, right? yeah. Yep. It was a 30 for 30, 30, for 30 one again, more yeah. recent ones, yeah. Yeah. Which I have and, not seen yet. And, uh, and just want to touch on this real quick. Like, even if you don't prefer the sports centers or the ESPN format, the 30 for 30s are totally different. They're, they're, they're miles. Like I said, yeah. like creme de la creme yep. of sports documentaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The best you can yeah. watch. Yeah. So yeah. Um, besides what? I, so the uh, centers around the rivalries at the time and how basically these giants of the East and West Coast had to deal with the bad boys, and they were a hated team around the league, but they did their job. Mm-hmm. They weren't liked. They were loved by their city, and. They were the crucible in which Michael Jordan was formed, I yeah. would probably say. Very important couple mm-hmm. of years in NBA history. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, we kind of touched on how social media wouldn't – well, I mean, media was really starting to come into the fold with the whole Larry Bird, mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas, um, and it goes to show how it can affect a player, it can affect the perception of a team – and how instead of trying to back away from it, the team rallied around Isaiah and just accepted and flourished under this banner of a villain. Mm-hmm. And you can ask any of the players, they would probably say that they were villains. Yeah. 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 And they were and they know, relished it. Yep. Yeah. And uh I do believe that I mean rules were affected. Flagrant fouls were changed in how they were enforced. Mm-hmm. I mean <laughs> 
they kind of got brought back a few years later um, with, I, I think they might have actually touched on this in the doc, um, with the Pat Riley Knicks teams a few years later to try to beat Jordan because mm-hmm. he saw what yep. the bad boys did. And Pat he, Riley, too, I mean. Yeah, he tried to emulate that with, like, the you know Charles Oakley and Xavier McDaniel. And mm, I, I don't think it does Anthony touch Mason. on that. Oh, but yeah. Well, I that's my opinion. And that's cool. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they those guys were some junkyard dogs, as well, people yeah. like to say. Yeah. And Pat Riley. I mean, yeah. The Celtics weren't the bad boys, but they would handle the Lakers. And yeah. Pat Riley was kind of seen as this flashy. Southern California guy, but he was from the East Coast, and he yeah. was a tough guy. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I I, I definitely agree with that for sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, any other thoughts on that? Um, it's a great it's a great documentary. I yeah, need to it's, rewatch it's, it. It's really not too long. Mm-hmm. It, it's very. It's None of the thirty for thirties are that long. Yeah. And yeah, it's it definitely will. For me, it just gave more of appreciation of what the sport was then, what players like Michael Jordan had to go through, and it begs the juxtaposition to how the game is played now. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't I don't have a problem with it. I'm not one of those guys who's like, oh, the game's soft, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think that it's fun to watch. Ball movement's back. Three-pointers are back. Because let's be honest, like, with those Knicks teams and the bad boys, like, it could get really bogged down in like over physicality and just mm-hmm. like I like it's beautiful how the game is like open now. Yep. And like the pace and space, like the D'Antoni offense. Yeah, yeah. like the what mm-hmm. the Warriors mm-hmm. I think maybe used to be. We'll see how they're gonna be. But um, Yeah, well I'm actually excited for them not to be as villainous <laughs> or I wouldn't call them villains. A lot of people thought they well, were I I never have. I'm always dating a Warriors fan. Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful, beautiful basketball. I don't see how anybody could like hate them, but um, a lot of people have hated them. I mean, if they do it this year, I couldn't help but like it because they're overcoming adversity now. Yeah, instead of just being like the shoe in with yeah, oh, we can spread the ball, we can play ISO ball with the best of them because we have Kevin Durant. You know, it's going to be an interesting season this year because it's like when they were clicking on all cylinders the past few years. That is like perfected basketball. Oh yeah, yeah. Making the making the past, giving up a good shot for a great it's shot. It's actually made me ponder, like when like you know they're moving the ball around, and then Steph Curry's wide open at the top of the key, and it's a thirty footer. Mm-hmm. I've actually thought this several times watching the Warriors. If we brought James Naismith back to life, what would he think of this? Well. He would be like, I've created the greatest thing ever. The greatest, yeah. <laughs> or Fog Allen, yeah. for, for that matter. Because, yeah. you know, he he developed the modern... Yeah, Naismith didn't think it could be coached and strategized. But. Yeah, no, I mean, it's... <laughs> I think, A, he would be, like, just in awe of the spectacle of that it has yeah. become. And, yeah. <laughs> um, just It's fun to think about those types of things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just the level of athlete. Yeah, you know, and to see Kevin Durant, a seven footer with that wingspan, who can shoot like that mm-hmm. and handle the ball like that. Like, yep, and he's or a smart LeBron, player or a good passer. LeBron. 
like a 280-pound linebacker, <laughs> tight, tight end, yeah. yeah, or defensive end, like yeah. with you know point guard ball handling ability and Magic Johnson's the best passing. vision of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, <laughs> avid sport of China, but whatever. Let's, let's not talk about that. I'm very disappointed in him. Yeah, yeah. Let's not go down that road. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, I even for a casual basketball fan. And yeah. If you're not into the NBA, I know locally we have no team. Um, it's not the biggest sport in the city, but it might just spark your interest and fascination and. The NBA is really, really fun. It is a lot of fun. I and love basketball. It's a shame that there's no local team. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of local. I mean, it's a good basketball town for college. Great. I mean, I mean, yeah. We're both diehard Jayhawks fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I, yeah, even if you don't like have a team, I don't necessarily have. I kind of jump from team to team based on players I like every few years. Yeah. Um, I mostly follow former KU guys, but like, I like a lot of different teams. It's just fun to. Oh yeah, I mean, and you know, watch. Yeah, that's that's part of the beauty of not having like a team because you're never gonna like live and die with a team. It's yeah. just gonna be fun. There are know? teams that I've kind of like always liked. Yeah, over the years, I was like, a Spurs fan growing up. Yeah, that's the only like th- the Bulls. Yeah, I mean. well, yeah, I'm still a Bulls fan. If starting Bulls, with Jordan. But, like, also they had Kirk Heinrich, who's, like, oh, yeah. one of my all-time And they favorite. had him for a long Jayhawks. time. Jayhawks. Yeah. yeah. But now I love, like, the Sixers and stuff. With, yeah, Joel Embiid, yeah. JoJo. It's my man. Yeah, and it, it's – a lot of people say, you know, it's all offense. It's There's a lot of really good defense. People are misinformed if they think that. Well, it's just, it's just like, well, the difference between college ball and NBA ball, besides the metrics alone, the amount of players that are in the NBA mm-hmm. – I mean, some of them are just they're that good. They're undefendable. Yep. And it's, you know, it's and they run counter-punching. and they yeah. run way better offense. In oh yeah, the NBA than in college. Oh, I mean, Chris yeah. passes. I mean, when it, when the but offense, like play play wise. Oh like, yeah, the scheme is like way mm-hmm. better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's almost the opposite of football when the more. Experimental offenses are usually seen in college first yeah. and then implemented in the professional right. level. Right. It's kind of the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Yeah. The Bad Boys is a really good mm-hmm. 30 for 30. We're going to be talking a lot of 30 for 30s. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, what? what I think we're going to. Four? What? Four? 30 for 30s? I, I have two. I don't know. I got one. Oh, okay. Three. Yeah. yeah. Well, my honorable mentions are 30 for 30, but. Um, I will come back to my 30 for 30 as my second cool. one that I talk about. I just rewatched this one, my first pick last night. Um, a lot of people might have seen, it's been on Netflix, I think since it came out, uh, since it was like released, mm-hmm. uh, digitally. And so a lot of people might have seen it pop up like in their queue or like in, on the lists docs on netflix it's called undefeated um it's a football high school football documentary released in 2011 um and it actually won the oscar in 2011 for best documentary really i did yeah. not know that wow yeah. which is how i found out about it netflix it was in 2011 best documentary it's not a it's oh not, okay it's, it was on net it's been on netflix 
I pretty gotcha. much the whole time, but it's not like really spread. Mm, I gotcha. Um, so it's directed by Daniel Lindsay and T.J. Martin, um, and it documents uh, the Manassas High School uh, Tigers football team in North Memphis, Tennessee, and like uh, basically the like a season, you know, chronicling the the biggest season. You know, to date, um, of of their school's uh, football program history. Okay. Um, and Bill Courtney is the head coach. He's a volunteer head coach because the school, um, North Memphis, is a very um, the, the socioeconomic uh, uh, scope of it is not good at all. Um, it's a, it's a much poor, for lack of a better term, part of the city. Um, these kids, uh, very predominant, predominantly African American, um, at the school, and uh, you know they come from very rough backgrounds. Uh, a lot of single single parent households, um, and you know so they're trying to play catch up. You know they're um, behind the eight ball, as you know as. You would say, oh yeah. Um, but Bill Courtney, this is a, such an inspiring man. He um, he's a volunteer coach. He doesn't get paid by the school because they don't have the money for it. And just um, pure love of the game. Yeah. He so it's uh, that season was his sixth season as a volunteer head coach at Manassas High. And um, he. Uh, says at the beginning that the school has been around for 110 years and they have never won a playoff game in really? the history of the school. And then they get into some of the kids on the football team and he, the way he kind of lays it out is like, so um, four years ago or five years ago, uh, <laughs> we started hearing about this group of eighth graders that were all like, really big and like like really good at like schoolyard football mm-hmm. and you know uh, the kids on our team kept telling us about these kids and they sh- all showed up to the weight room one day to lift with us as eighth graders and I told them we're gonna if you come to Manassas and not go to like a private school not get recruited by a private school in the area we can create something at Manassas and they all came to Manassas and this wow, season, all of them. yeah, wow, there's that's... like five or six of them. And um, this season that is documented in the film is their senior season. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. And so uh, some of the players, uh, O.C. Brown is like the star player. He's their left tackle. He's um, like 6'6 six, six and moves like a running back. At 18. There, yeah, there are, there's film, they show film of them. They like, cut together because um, nobody knew about him. Um, and then, like, after his freshman or sophomore year, they cut together, like, a grainy YouTube clip, and his recruitment just, like, blew up after wow. that. Um, and so, like, throughout the the doc, he's, like, um, getting recruited by a bunch of schools and stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, like, their star left tackle. And then their star the, – then their right tackle – um, is this other kid Montrell? But they everybody calls him Money, <laughs> and Money is 
um, super undersized for an off- offensive lineman. Really? He could probably could have been should have been like a wide receiver. Okay. But undersized physically. He's tall. He seems tall, tall, but he's like not like big, like girthy at all. He's like really skinny for an offensive lineman. But as Bill Courtney says, he lines up against all these kids way bigger than him and they all think they're gonna push him around and he wins every time because he's the mentally most mentally strong kid I've ever coached. Really? And he is um, a 3.8 student. Wow. And super duper intelligent. Um, says that he wants to be like a you know a business like a, you know business mogul someday. He uh, they show him just like a super high character kid. You know, glue kind of player. Like what? Glue kind yeah, of player. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a little quiet, so he's not like, you know, a rah-rah kind of guy, but just like super intelligent, you know, oh, never like acts up or anything. Um, and, uh, is, knows he's not going to play college football, but, um, if he can somehow like get scholarships or find funding, he would have the grades to go to college, you know, get a college education and make something of himself. Oh. Um, and so, like, those two guys are the main two guys. There's another kid, Chavis, um, who they kind of uh, probably a half an hour in or so kind of just introduce, who is a junior on the team. Um, they introduce him because they're out of practice, and his mom brings him to practice, and they basically say that, uh, Chavis did something and he's been in a juvenile penitentiary for a year, missed his entire sophomore year. And so he's a junior now and, um, and his mom and him and coach Courtney kind of develop a plan for him to come back on the team. And, um, as the coach says, Chavis has severe anger issues that I don't think he can control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's Chavis messes up a few times. I'm not going to try to spoil a uh-huh. bunch of stuff um, throughout the doc. And um, yeah, uh, he it's a struggle. It's a struggle with between him and the coaches and stuff. Um, Some added drama. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I think at the heart of this doc. You know, it's the the kids have great stories. Bill Courtney is like, did you watch Friday Night Lights? No. The show? No, I don't know. Uh, okay. Like Eric Taylor, the coach on Friday Night Lights is like a fictional character. He really cares about the kids that he coaches. Mm-hmm. Bill Courtney is a real person and feels like he's a fictional character for like, how much he loves these kids. What a great man. Yeah. Um, it's really inspiring. If you don't cry to this documentary, there are like, there's one moment towards the end that I really want to talk about. Mm-hmm. You'll know what I'm going to talk about. It, it involves money, the character money. Uh-huh. Just watch this documentary. And if you don't cry, you'll know what <laughs> moment I'm talking about. Yeah. If you don't I cry. I haven't seen this, by the way. Watch it yeah. ASAP. Yeah. 
Um, and if you don't cry at that moment, it gets me every time. Really? I've seen it three or four times. Every, every time. single time. Yeah. And I know it's coming. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, yeah, he just loves those kids so much. Um, and it, it really shows. Um, just the reality of the drama, too. Yeah. Like it's really happening. It's, a dr- it's dramatic, definitely. Um, just because these kids are trying to make better lives for themselves. And there's a lot of you know, factors factors, that are trying not to make that happen. Mm -hmm. But coach Courtney is, is, um, you know, uh, trying to make it happen as best he can. Yeah. Cause he just loves him so much. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's really like, um, it's really just about, I think that at the heart of it, it's about a very dedicated coach, who loves his players and the players' relationship with him. It's just like that's awesome. how a coach can affect people. Mm-hmm. How um, they can steer them in the right direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that sounds really good. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And I know it's, it's you know, 30 for 30s are like the big name. Uh-huh. And this, you know, this definitely got some, um, some like uh, publicity after it won the, the Oscar for sure, because well, yeah, I heard about so, it. Yeah. Um, but it's like always been on Netflix. I don't think it's ever gone off Netflix, um, and I don't know how many people have seen it. So, watch it. It's called Undefeated, um, and it's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. Do, so it's a high school team. Uh huh. Have, have any of the players made it to the NFL? Have you followed them at all? I looked them up to see where they were uh-huh. right now. Um, and I could find very little information. Uh-huh. Uh, OC, who probably had the best shot. Yeah. Um, went, I don't want to spoil too much. He looks like he did not end up making it to oh. the NFL. Okay. To the NFL. Yeah. Um, but I hope they're all doing well. Yeah. I couldn't really find uh-huh. much info on them. And I don't know if this is a spoiler or not. Is the head coach still there or just watch the docs? Okay. Yeah. 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 Perfect. 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 Cool. Yep. That sounds good, man. Yeah. It's fantastic. Really, really, really good. Good human stories. uh... Like some of the best humanity in a sports documentary I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Like raw humanity. So you can watch Some of it just it, for that, right? Yeah, because a lot of like sports docs will try to, well, like, you know, just like any type of film will try to play it up with like swelling music or like they're like talking heads, talking about, you know, emotional moments or hu- like human moments. Uh-huh. Or, um, the way it's edited, you know. Yeah. This is like raw, just raw humanity. Just like there's no obvious. There, there are some talking heads at the beginning, like and like they'll like cut to like Coach Courtney or somebody. Just like they'll interview him talking about something, but like there's just like a lot of raw footage. Whether it's like. He's yelling at them when they're down at halftime, uh-huh. or like. Um, well, it's get, all happening in real time, right? Yeah, like getting on somebody for not 
being in class on time uh-huh. or it's just like it seems like the most like human one of the most human sports documentaries because it's just like mm-hmm. it's like you're there on the field with them you're there at the school with them it's just like you're a fly on the wall or something. now would you say that this would be one of the ones where like even if you're not you know, classify yourself as a sports fan. Oh, yeah. It's it was... super inspirational. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a an inspiring human story. Yeah. First, and then a football. Second. Documentary second, yeah. For sure. Well, I'm definitely going to watch that. Yeah, it's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah, man. Yeah. All right, you want to talk about your second? All right. So, my second documentary is 30 for 30. It's... Directed by John Dower. Um, it was released in 2014. It's about cycling, which don't get turned off by that immediately. I've not never been a huge cycling fan. But um, this centers around in the 80s before Armstrong, before all of the blood doping and all that. It was basically a European sport and Americans were trying to get in. They were never really seen as a threat until this kid, Greg LeMond, came about. And he was the best American anyone had ever seen. And he was put on, I don't know if you know the Peloton. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Um, It's basically like the column of riders in the Tour de France. And the Tour de France is written in teams, right? Mm -hmm. There's the leader of the Peloton, who is the yellow shirt, of course, the famous yellow shirt. Yeah. And... It had been dominated by, like I said, like Europeans for forever and ever and ever. And there was the Badger, and it's called Slain the Badger. And the Badger was the nickname of Hinault, who was the best French writer of all time, mm-hmm. um, dominated the sport. He sees this American kid. Brings him on his team under the guise of, you know, help me win now. Help me climb now. Because he was a little bit longer in the tooth. And Greg LeMond was the best climber that anyone could see. And if you're wondering what climbing is, it's like, you know, each day, if you're not familiar with the Tour de France, each day is a different stage. And there's mountain stages where you have to climb and climb and climb. Now, those days, you have your teammates help you keep your time by doing these climbing stages. So... Mm-hmm. Basically says, you help me win now, you help me win one more, and you will be the winner of the Tour de France. Now, I had no idea how much politics was involved in cycling. Mm-hmm. And all the machinations and um, basically ways that not only your own peloton can screw you over, own group of riders, but also the entire race itself. So, I'm not trying to spoil the ending or anything. So, Lamont feels slighted. He realizes that he is being used by uh, he's being used by his mentor, his this guy who comes as well a sheep and or a wolf in sheep's clothing, rather. And um, they have a falling out, um, and they end up competing against each other. And it's just pure competition. Um, Both 
principals are interviewed in person, um, Renault and uh, Greg Lamont. Greg Lamont, thank you. And uh, really, it's, you know, for me, it put in perspective how hard and insanely intense the Tour de France is. It's probably one of the most physically demanding like sporting events period around the world mm-hmm. you know um you could argue though that there's ones that are less famous that are more intense but that's here or there and um anyways just how lance armstrong kind of turned everything on its head with the way that he would race and he would do stuff that is just unheard of and it puts into perspective how you know this guy Greg LeMond, probably never heard of him, is the only American to, have, I don't want to ruin anything, but to truly have competed in the sport without any tarnish and gotten to the highest level. I think people know about Lance Armstrong. No, not Lance Armstrong. Oh. I'm talking about Greg okay, LeMond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, it also goes into just like how it affects the family, how it affects so many different people around the event. And um, it really just opened my eyes to a different avenue, a different sport that I had never really found myself very interested in. Competitive cycling wasn't really, for me, the most exciting thing to watch live. But just understanding how it works, how there's different stages, how certain riders have different specialities in the field, and also just how... I mean, if you like like Game of Thrones or like political drama mm-hmm. and machinations of people behind the scenes, it's totally for you. And to this day, there's still bad blood. And you can tell when they interview each one that they are very touchy. And Renault, to this day, he is still seen as like, you know, the best cycler France has ever seen. You know, he's a god over there. He has this huge inflated ego. And you got Greg LeMond, who seems like a very average, you know, retiree. Interestingly enough, right before they filmed the documentary, he actually got in an accident. So he's kind of, he has like a chest brace on. And I don't know if that goes to like his advantage to feel sympathy for him more. Right. But, I mean, his personality, you can tell he's a very determined, you know, steely-eyed competitor. Right. And, uh... That's what this documentary, for me, really exudes. It's just like the pure expression of competitiveness and drive and overcoming history and insurmountable odds When and how you can feel totally isolated when you're surrounded by people when everybody else wants to see you fail and how you can strive to overcome that. And that seems like something you'd see in, like, you know, a movie or scripted but you know it really happened in real life right that's for me the most uh uh true example of that and also just surprising i actually watched this for the first time when i was just on the couch on middle of the day wednesday it came on and i was just like i'll watch this for a while and i was totally engrossed by it and it was i mean I definitely would recommend that, even if you have no interest in cycling, just for, like you said with the other one, just for the human aspect and the drama. I mean, yeah. Yeah.
exactly. I mean, that's what makes all of these films great. Is it's not just like the sports is almost secondary. Oh yeah, yeah, and a great sports documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for it, sure. Yep, and it's what makes sports great, right? Yeah, it's what it, it's what makes you keep coming back to the well. You know, yep. is it's you never know what's going to happen, and when truly nobody knows what's going to happen, you know, how could something surprising and amazing not happen? You know, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, it's kind of my out there pick, but it felt like no one ever it's definitely, about it. I think, if they're one of the least known 30 for 30s. I actually have not seen it, but I'm going to, yeah, very and, soon. Yeah, and it, it also, yeah, it, I mean, I feel like that kind of stuff is definitely the stuff that's not really as popular in America, but is appreciated in other parts of the world, right? It's for a reason, yeah, you know, and you America just America kind of loved cycling when. We were winning at it all the time, as we do. Yeah, as we do, but turns out, you know, we were not <laughs> winning all the time. We were cheating all the time. We were winning, but not cleanly. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah, it was very good, and uh, it actually got me uh, interested enough to watch, try and seek out some more sports or uh, cycling documentaries. And there's, there, there's a bunch of other documentaries that I kind of got into after this that I wouldn't have just under the guise of like, well, I'm not necessarily into the sport, but I'll give it a chance just because I could find something that I really yeah. like about it and there, therefore appreciate the sport more. And You know, you're always trying to open up new avenues of interest in your life. You know, you don't want to get stale or whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That sounds like a great doc. I'm definitely going to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, any more thoughts on that? Uh, no, I think that about rounds are out. Okay. Perfect. I am going to move on to mine then. I'm going to talk about, um, I'm also going to talk about a 30 for 30. Uh, probably one of the more well-known ones, uh-huh. but for the probably for the fact that it's one, one of the, the best. best. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that is You Don't Know Bo, which is the Bo Jackson story. Um, so yeah, it is the Bo Jackson story. Um, for those that don't know, Bo Jackson is maybe the best pure athlete of all time. I mean, the modern era. Yeah. Maybe like you got Jim Thorpe. Yeah, true. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um... Bo Jackson was a professional baseball player for our Kansas City Royals and the Chicago White Sox and uh, a professional running back for the um, Oakland Raiders, which we don't like so much, you and I, at least. No, no. But also a legend in college at Auburn. Heisman winner. Yeah, Heisman winner in 1980-something. Five and in 1985, I think. Yeah. Um, and seriously, just like a cultural icon, like he had, like Nike had, like the uh, Bonos uh, ad campaign. Yeah. And like he was in a cartoon with. Oh, yeah. He had his own cartoon and stuff. And he was the uh, cross training 
flagship. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and it just goes to show, it just, this documentary, just like, what I love most about it is just like the lore around him. Just mm-hmm. like, there's, they talk to a bunch of people like his high school coaches and people in his, from his small town in Alabama mm-hmm. that have these like stories where they sound just like legendary. Yeah. And they don't, these people don't actually know if they, it's like, well, I heard it's yeah. those type of stories. Yeah, it's like allegorical. Like, like these racist white kids were chasing after him and he like jumped the creek or something to get away from them. Yeah, like 40 foot ditch or something Yeah, and like he that. would like kill wild hogs with, by throwing rocks at them uh-huh. and stuff like that. Yeah. Just like, okay. I, that's, and the way that they show those is like comic book style, um animation yeah it's like motion graphics yeah, yeah so it's like he's a comic book character uh-huh. which i love yeah i love that it's a nice touch for sure yeah um and just throughout the whole thing it's just like these legendary highlights and yeah stuff stories too. like he hit in high school he hit a home run where he like he like it hit the roof of the next building over uh-huh yeah, it's like five hundred foot home run or something. Uh huh. Or um, there's another one with uh, Buck O'Neill when the Royals had him work out. Yeah. And uh, you know Buck O'Neill, uh, local legend, all time um, legend. Yeah. yeah. And uh, just wonderful the, the human Negro being. leagues. Yeah. Yeah. I've had the pleasure. I had the pleasure of meeting him twice. Me, yeah, me as well, actually. Yeah, Lo- love that man. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, about how he. Heard him working out, and he said he had only heard the bat uh, sound of the ball off the bat twice ever in his life, and it was Josh, Babe, Josh Gibson. Josh, right? Josh Gibson and Babe Ruth. Yeah, and Josh Gibson is like some some people believe he had more home runs than Babe Ruth. He was he always played in the Negro leagues. I don't think he ever made it. Um, when he did, he was like way past mm-hmm. his prime. Yeah. but just like maybe the greatest. Negro League player of all time and like the Negro League home run king by a mile. Oh yeah, um, people would go barnstorming. And, yeah, just you know, and play him in the off season and yeah, he would get home runs off Chrissy Mathewson. People would just be like, yeah, nobody can do that. Yeah, one of the great yeah. power hitters to ever live. Um, yeah, and so yeah, to have that compliment to have the ball sound like that. Mm-hmm. And believe me, Buck O'Neill, if anybody would know, uh-huh. Buck O'Neill knew everybody. <laughs> yeah, he lived and breathed the game. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For decades um, and decades. And then it actually goes into the stuff we have footage of and that we know about Bo. Yeah. Like his legendary career at Auburn in football. Um, they hadn't beat Alabama in years and years and years and years. In the Iron Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Under, under Bear Bryant, who's the... One of the legendary He's coaches. A god. Yeah. 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 Saban is now, too. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, they had, uh, well, before that, Bo talked about, like, Bear Bryant. Or, no, they sent an assistant coach. Alabama sent an assistant coach to recruit him and told him that he would have to, he would maybe get some playing time by, like, the end of his sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And then Auburn came. And the head, it was the head coach at Auburn, uh-huh. and sat down and said, "You, you'll play from day one." And yeah, snap. Like, 
the first snap, right? From yeah. that moment, I was War Eagle, mm-hmm. baby. I think that's what he said. Yep, yep. Um, and so they hadn't beat Alabama for years and years and years. It was like 13 almost, years, almost I think. a decade or yeah. more, yeah. Um, and then Bo, they, they have the ball at the end of the game. What? It's like the one-yard line? Yeah, the goal yeah. line to win the game. And Bo jumps over the offensive line. Yeah, I think he's <laughs> Over like, the top. He went over to his head coach. He was like, you know, in high school I was a high jumper. I had a seven-foot yeah. high jump. Yeah. Yeah. Just another amazing thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he goes over the top, as a lot of people who follow the history of college football know. And so one of the great wins in the history of Auburn Sport. football. Yeah. yeah. College football. Yeah. Period, I yeah. would say. Um, and so he goes on. He gets drafted in football originally by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were horrendous back then. Well, they actually screwed him over completely. Remember? What, what uh, he he does a workout in Tampa Bay. Oh right. And then the basically uh, coach or someone for Tampa Bay, someone on their staff is like, "Oh, we cleared this with the NCAA. It's fine." Then yes, he does it. Whatever comes back is he's it's his senior year in baseball. Yeah, and he is raking. Yeah, and uh, basically his head coach is like, "Hey, did you have a workout Tampa Bay?" And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Well, they're saying you can't play baseball anymore." Mm-hmm. And he think he he basically is like, well, they saw me tearing the cover off the ball in baseball, so they wanted to get me out of baseball and into football. Right. Yeah. And so yeah, he's uh, he's not allowed to play for the rest of the season in baseball. Uh huh. And um, so he refuses to play for Tampa. And doesn't he? Isn't aren't the Yankees involved somehow? Don't they? Steinbrenner tries to hug that mic. Oh yes, Steinbrenner tries to basically buy him off in high school. Though. Yeah, yeah, and, right. yeah, and then he decides that he wants to keep playing football and baseball. Right. So, yeah, and then he gets drafted by the Royals. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. They just took a chance on him. Yep. And uh, does the you know. All, all of the amazing things for the Royals in a few years. Um, makes the All-Star game and does the wall walk that I think a lot of people have seen before. Oh, yeah. Uh, and know, never make, again since. Yeah, makes a catch in yeah. center field and then it, lo- it looks like he's going to just slam into the wall and literally like jumps up and like walks on the side of the wall. Seem like a video game or something. Yeah. Yeah. One of the more insane things you'll ever see. Uh, guns down Harold Reynolds, which oh is one of the most amazing throws I've ever. Flat ever footed. Seen. Yeah. yeah. Um, Harold Reynolds looks like uh, he's now a baseball announcer, well known baseball announcer. Um, looks like he's going to score easily. Oh, yeah. Rounding third. And Bo, from like deep center field, just fires a pill. Yeah. yeah. Just like a rocket to. Uh-huh. To home, uh, it d- doesn't even take a hop right to the catcher yep. and gets him out. Um, and uh, I don't know if I really want to talk about the rest. Uh, I think you know, a lot of sports fans will know what happens with Bo. Um, 
he's definitely since this documentary has come back into the public eye uh-huh. for sure he does some commercials now and yeah is you know seen at some sporting events and is i think trying to get his name back out there uh-huh. um which is cool to see yeah um but uh it's a it's a great documentary profiling a legendary athlete yeah um and the way that the doc is constructed film wise with like you know just like especially at the beginning with all of like like i said like the legends uh-huh. around him and the cool animation and stuff like that very well executed i think very, it's yeah. one of the best executed films that 30 for 30 yep. made i would totally agree with that yeah and it's like a roller coaster like, yeah it's it doesn't seem like it takes any time at all right yeah, yeah. You yeah. want it to, like, keep going on. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Not, yeah. And, yeah, and it just exemplifies, you know, this American ideal of this guy. I've actually seen this documentary. Uh, this strong, silent type. He never really was, like, a totally outspoken person, but he would do these amazing things. Yeah. And it would seem like just going to the grocery store for him. Right. You know, just clocking in. Yeah. And, uh. One, um, if you don't mind, one of my favorite moments from that is, uh, can't remember who's talking about it, but, uh, goes over to his house. He'd just gotten this Nike deal. He has this huge weight room with all these stuff on him. And he's like, Bo, I don't know why you got this, man. There's not a drop of sweat on any of this equipment. I know you don't work out. It was just there for show. It was just one of those physical legends. Like you say, Jim Brown, people say this about, he never worked out. He never, it was just. He could literally show up on game day, ready to go, and just make all of these professional, talented players look like they were just playing triple A ball. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of the best. Um, so, do you want to move on to your third? I don't know if we're going to have time for our honorable mentions, but... Um, we'll see. We could... We can definitely do this again. I mean, there's tons of sports docs, and we all we both love tons of sports docs. Oh, yeah, so for sure, we can definitely do this category again sometime if we don't get to, have it. to come back to it. Yeah, I would not mind that at all. So, what's your uh, third doc? A third one is um, one of the more famous documentaries, sports documentaries out there. It's a PBS documentary. It's a little dated. It's called Ken Burns Baseball. Um, it came out. Mid-90s, they had some extra innings in the early thousands to kind of cover cover the steroid era, but that's about as modern as it gets. Mm -hmm. But this one might be for, I mean, I wouldn't recommend this one for you if you're not super into sports because... It gets into the nitty-gritty. Yeah. It gets inside baseball. (laughs) (laughs) No. um, It has nine innings, which each inning is an episode, and it can be anywhere from... An hour and a half to two and a half hours. It's long. eighteen and a half hours total. Yeah, it took me a whole summer spaced out mm-hmm. to. Yeah, um, watch it. I've personally seen it three times. I'm a huge baseball fan, though. So, <laughs> but um, how I would recommend watching it is, if you're familiar with, say, you grew up in the '90s, a certain era, watch the episode that pertains to that era. Yeah. Um, that being said, if you watch them in order. It's definitely the full experience that way, but you don't have to. Right. Um, I will say that if you're not a huge 
sports fan, the first couple episodes, if you like history at all, are super interesting because it goes into just the formation of baseball and the Civil War, and not only that, but like the era, what else was going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will familiarize you with a lot of greats that your dad might have talked of, like Honus Wagner or Chrissy Mathewson or John McGraw. I mean, he's a manager, but you know, and um, it's just. I mean, Ken Burns is the gold standard for documentaries, period. And it's something that he's super passionate about. Ken Burns comes to Kansas City a lot. He loves Kansas City. Uh, um, Buck O'Neill, actually, we were talking about him earlier. This is the documentary that kind of gave him national exposure. He's the MVP of this documentary, far and away. And just the way that he tells stories, the energy he tells them with is, is amazing because... I mean, he's probably in, well into his 80s when this was filmed, right. and he just has the exuberance of, like, a young young man when he's talking it about it. It makes this. me tear up. Yeah. Just oh, remembering him. You, I mean, the way and, he tells stories. Yeah, It's definitely more of a documentarian, pure, like, to the sense of the word, documentary. Yeah. Like, there's no, you know, smash cuts or edited drama into it with you know it's your standard ken burns doc but it's but it will like tug at your heartstrings it really will especially i would recommend my episode surrounding the 1940s and 50s is probably the ultimate one dealing with jackie robinson Mm -hmm. the racial tensions in america the best you know the first footage of baseball you see on TV comes from that era. So a lot of the most iconic moments that you see come from that era. And, um, you know, they get everybody. They get Jackie Robinson's wife. Yep. They get a lot of his old teammates. He was a Kansas City Monarch before he was a Dodger. I don't know if not if many people know that. but uh, did, say, Buck, did Buck ever play with him? Oh, yeah. Buck yeah. was, a, I believe he was the manager Okay. He was a player manager forever. And um, the Monarchs were the most successful Negro League team. They're like the Yankees of the, um, you know, they had Satchel Page. They had, and I mean, just the stories about the Negro League players that, like, you don't really hear much about unless you're super familiar with the game. Um, cool Papa Bell. Cool Papa Bell, one uh, of the great uh, sports Oh, man, games. I mean. He, <laughs> the, uh, they... I don't know if this is in the doc, but I've heard this about Cool Papa Bell. He played center field, uh-huh. and it was said that he was so fast that if somebody popped one into shallow center, he would catch it. And if there was somebody um, at second base, he would run and tag him out at second. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> if they were, like, off the bag, you know. What's the old story about him? He would... uh Turn out the light and be under the sheets before the light went yeah, out or something like that. Yeah, that's where Muhammad Ali got the... Yeah. From Cap, from uh, uh, Cool Papa Bell, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it if, if you were like a baseball fan growing up, you're not really into it anymore, it'll make you just fall in love with the game again. Yeah. Because for me, like, when I was a kid, I loved sports, lived and breathed sports, and then... When I was in my teens, it kind of waned for me, and this was definitely one of the documentaries that really got me back into sports, especially mm-hmm. baseball, which is probably my first love of sports because I played it growing up, and 
Anyways, um, yeah, and if you're looking for thorough, expansive, informative... History of a game. History yeah. of a game. And um, what I think it does the most is shows the interweavings of baseball and the country and the political climate mm-hmm. and how much the game mirrors the country and vice Which versa. Which all Ken Burns documentaries do mm-hmm. flawlessly. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's, a, he's a true artist when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and how sometimes the game is ahead of um, society and more recently behind it. But, yeah, um, yeah it, it illustrates... I mean, for me, it just made me fall in love all over again with the stuff that I fell in love with baseball in the first time, you know? The, yeah. The drama, the... How it's blindingly quick, but also can be lackadaisical at times. It's, it's a good mix of all facets of the game. It might not be the most, you know, basketball back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, or football with these crazy electric plays... But baseball as a sport has the best balance, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's also just, I mean, they've been messing with the rules lately, which I go back and forth on, but it's just perfect. It's a perfect game, if yeah. you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like we said, it's extremely long, but extremely thorough. Uh-huh. Um, and... Um, if you know, if you want, probably the most thorough sports documentary ever made. Uh-huh. Definitely watch it. Uh-huh. It's going to take you a long time. Yeah, but that's okay. It's great if to you watch. love baseball. I mean, yeah. there's nothing better to watch besides yeah. watching baseball itself. Yeah. <laughs> um, any other thoughts um, on Ken Burns baseball? Yeah, uh, just to close out, um, uh, it's. Probably the most thorough sports documentary out there. I would say there's not really anything else like it for baseball, or I mean for basketball or football. And uh, yeah, definitely worth checking out at least a couple episodes. And uh, you will get hooked. Yeah. You will get hooked. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. Um, I am going to talk about for my third documentary. Uh, a documentary that's on usually near the top or at the top of the greatest sports documentary lists Mm -hmm. uh, of all time. Um, And that is Hoop Dreams. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about it. Um, It came out in 1994, directed by Steve James. And um, it follows two high school basketball stars in the city of Chicago. Um, and they're, like the title suggests, their dreams of becoming NBA players. Um, and it's, like, it's good that we group these two together because Who Dreams is a, also a very long, it's not 18 and a half hours, um, but it's, it's three plus hours. Um, and it's also a very long documentary, but well worth it. Um, 
follows William Gates and Arthur Agee, who are two African-American teenagers, um, definitely live, living below the, the poverty line um, in the Chicago area. William Gates lives in the famous Cabrini Green housing projects, um, which are one of the most notorious housing projects in this country. Lots of violence there. Drugs. Um, yeah, drugs uh, in the inner city of Chicago. Um, but has uh, has birthed a lot of famous people, actually, out of there. Um, and then Arthur Agee lives uh, in a different part of town, the West Garfield Park area in uh, the Chicago area. Um, William gets a scholarship because of his um, basketball talents to go to a predominantly white private school in the Chicago area called St. Joseph in Westchester, Illinois, which is near Chicago. And Arthur goes to um, his public high school, which I can't find the name of currently, but goes to like his regular inner city uh -huh. public high school. And it shows that's a big difference contrast obvious yes. obviously um throughout the whole um throughout the whole doc because william you know kind of gets some opportunities that arthur uh doesn't exactly get mm -hmm. um because of where he goes to school and things like that um and it just both have a lot to deal with obviously because of their circumstances. While William goes to a nice school, he still lives in, you know, not a great area. Yeah. And so he still has a lot of, you know, things, you know, dealing with poverty and things like that um, to deal with. And then Arthur, um, his, his father, um, not to spoil too much, but his father is in and out throughout the film and, has a very rocky relationship with his father and, you know, dealing with all of the, the, the pressures of, of living in inner city Chicago. Um, but despite all of that, both excel out on the court and um, it shows their, you know, it shows their entire high school careers basically and, um, and beyond. And it's a very fascinating look at, um, a lot of different, you know. Is it kind of like a slice of life a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. it, it, um, it's definitely a slice of life. Uh -huh. It brings up just a lot of important issues, you know, family values, race, socioeconomic issues. Advantages, disadvantages. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and it's 1994, but, you know, the all, all of those things are still prevalent to this day. Oh, so. of course. Um, it's one of those docs that evergreen, right? Stands the test of time for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what's one of the most fun things to me about it is um, one of the players won't spoil who. One of the players ends up going to like a national All American camp uh -huh. in 1994, and they show a lot of the players he's with. And there are some recognizable faces, faces there. It's it's really fun 
to see. Man, that, that's a yeah. good time, man. Like Chris Webber's there. No, Chris Webber wouldn't have been there. I could have sworn he was. It's not Chris Webber. It's uh, somebody else in 94. I don't remember, but it's a lot of guys that went on to the NBA. Um, so, yeah, that's really fun to see. And um, Vince Carter? Just kidding. No, nah, he's, <laughs> he's a little bit later. Um, but, yeah, that's it's really fun to see. And then, like, some of the college coaches that visit these guys in the film. Obviously recognizable. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's fun to see. Um, like I said, don't want to spoil too much of it. <laughs> But um, it is. It was nominated for best documentary. Oh, really? Uh, at the Oscars, did not win, but um, it's uh, widely regarded as one of the best. I remember sports it docs ever. Kind of. I have. I have not personally seen it, but I've obviously heard about it. I remember it kind of like changing the mold of how the sports documentaries were kind of perceived, because mm-hmm. you know before it like being even nominated for an Oscar for a sports documentary, it was kind of like one in a million, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't really want to get too much into it, like I said, but um, it's just really uh, a really fascinating look. And like I said, the human element, I think that's a theme and, most or all of the docs that we picked, which makes a great sports doc, um, and uh, was it's it, super prevalent in this one. Was ninety was Jordan still with the Bulls in ninety four? That might have been the first year he was playing baseball. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but still Jordan hype is this everywhere. might. But the when it was filmed, it might have been ninety three, so he might have been okay playing. Yeah, yeah, he rode the bus in ninety four. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, that's like I said, don't want to get too much into it. So that's I'll, I'll end it there. But just watch it. It, it is pretty long, but uh, maybe you can break it up into two parts. Or I something. will probably be watching that one first. Yeah, yeah. I've always wanted to. I just never got the chance. It was on Netflix forever. I don't know if it is anymore. But. I don't believe it is anymore. Um, and you want to quickly get into our. Uh, honorable mentions, I guess. We got a little bit of time. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, what's your honorable mention? Uh, Just a quick synopsis. Oh, mine is, uh, it might be the most famous 30 for 30, um, Surviving Advance. It's up there. Um, Jim, uh, Jim Volvano, um, a very, um, Excuse me. Um, if you know much about college basketball, um, Jim Valvano and college basketball are you know peas and carrots. Um, it uh, follows the North Carolina State's um, 1983. 1983 historic NCAA, and this is the height of the NCAA tournament. Probably the best play. This was when players sticked around all four years, and they're in the Big East, mm-hmm. which in its heyday was. Easily the best division in basketball, uh, college basketball, and uh, just one man's. I mean, you see a lot of very enthusiastic, passionate coaches, but Jim Volvano takes it to the next level. Just, um, and I don't want to spoil anything, but it just basically follows around, follows 
his story, the team's story, um, their improbable run, and the aftermath of what happened and just how, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? How connected, their team, connected was. the team was yeah. and just how one man can make an entire country kind of rally around him. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and people still know the name Jim Valvano. You know, ESPN has the Jimmy V Foundation. Uh-huh. Uh, which uh, funds cancer research, yeah. which, not to spoil anything, but kind of plays a part in the documentary. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, talk, there's, you know, Mike, Coach K is there uh, being interviewed, and obviously they were very close friends. Um, and just kind of how one man's personality can um, rally a team, uh, captivate a nation and really just inspire people to this day on overcoming adversity and uh, beating the odds. So, yeah, it's it's an iconic team for and, sure. Uh, yeah, talk about a tearjerker. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you will. There will yeah. not be a dry eye in the house. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a really um, good yeah. film. I watched it with my girlfriend a couple weeks ago, and about five minutes into it, she looked over at me like, why did you tell me that? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's about all I have to say about that. It's uh, definitely worth a watch, for sure. Yep. Um, okay, my honorable mention is uh, The Dominican Dream, which is one of the most recent 30 for 30s. Uh, about the um, basketball player Felipe Lopez, um, who immigrated to the United States with his family from the Dominican Republic when he was, I believe, in eighth grade. Trying to find it here. Yeah. Um, he immigrated when he was 14 to the, to the United States, to the Bronx. Uh, went to play at Rice High School in New York City, which is a famed oh, yeah. basketball uh, high school in NYC. Um, and is, to this day, one of the most uh, highly touted uh, high school recruits and not just New York City, which is, you know, everybody calls the Mecca of basketball. Don't know about that anymore. But, no. Um, it's still really good. But, oh, yeah. Um, in all of the country, he was a total sensation. Um, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a high school senior. Wow. That's how amazing he was. Um, and committed to St. John's um, to try to resurrect their program. Um, and, um, it's really more than, it's a beautiful immigrant story. Okay. Um, this came out around the time this was released. I mean, he's been saying this crap for going on four years now, but, um, the, the person currently occupying the White House was... A 
especially at the time that this was released. It was perfectly timed. It's timed, it seemed like. It, this was when he was saying all those horrible things about um, some of the uh, uh, some of the horrible things about the women in Congress who are not white. <laughs> right. Like uh, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and uh, Ilhan Omar, and you know all of those women. He was saying horribly racist things about them. And this um, this film is like a beautiful immigrant story, and mm -hmm. I feel like maybe I was reading too much into it, but I feel like it was released at just the right time because it shows that immigrants are America, are America, are the most important part of America, uh -huh. are very hardworking people who will do anything for their families. Felipe Lopez is an amazing man. Yeah, um, you'll you'll see this in this documentary, um, and it really touched on a very important issue at this time in this country oh, for yeah. all the BS that's being yep. spouted by those people. Uh -huh. um, all the division that is being. So it's a beautiful immigrant story, um, and also, just purely as a sports fan, never really saw footage of him in high school. Oh, man. This, really? This guy was one of the best high school basketball players of all time. Yeah. Like LeBron level? Close. Wow. I think LeBron is probably the best high school athlete in the history of this country. Probably, yeah. Easy. Yeah. If not up there, but um yeah, Felipe Lopez is close. Oh wow. He was that good. Really? In NYC and like NYC had competitive some dudes yeah. back then. Mm -hmm. It was like early nineties, like ninety one I think. Uh huh. Was his senior year. There was and a lot of talent he in was, there. He was yeah. a baller, yeah. Um so it's called the the Dominican Dream. Um, the Felipe Lopez story. Um, check that out. It's fantastic. Jonathan Hawk, who I, I know has done at least one other 30 for 30 and is in a, is like one of the best documentarians out there. Um, he directed it. So, um, great film, great filmmaking as well. So awesome. All right, man. I think that's going to do it. Um, cool. we're running a bit short on time here. So, um, Thanks for coming on. Oh, yeah. Third We're, time's a charm, right? <laughs> yeah, we've tried a couple other times to uh, record this episode um, to give you a peek behind the curtain. Yeah. We finally got it done. So, yeah, so. Uh, um, we're, I'm definitely going to have you back in. Uh, awesome. For these Looking forward to it. Sportsy man. stuff, bonus, eps, bonus episodes. So uh, Yeah. Always down. Yeah, man. Um, so, I um, hope you like... Um, all the sports talk stuff, folks, it's going to be, there's going to be some more content for you here, hopefully, rather than our regular uh, pop culture uh, episodes. Um, our next pop culture episode is going to be, uh, I have it on the book, so uh, thanks to Raz for the, uh, for the opening and closing theme song. Thanks to uh, my good buddy Sheldon Adams for the art for the show and uh we'll talk to you next time thanks bye